0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production.
1: Well, this is fitting because this episode is all about sex, but let's talk about having even better sex. You guys have heard it here before and probably from a lot of your favorite podcasters, but Woo More Play makes sex even better. Okay? It's coconut oil lube. It has a couple of ingredients. It's all natural. Little stevia, some vanilla essence, beeswax, and coconut oil. It really is heaven on earth. To try Woo, go to woomoreplay.com and enter promo code HIMANDHER at checkout for 20% off your entire order. I'm telling you, pick up at least two bottles, okay? Your partner's going to want it, and so are you. Again, that's woomoreplay.com. W O O M O R E P L A Y dot com and enter promo code him and her for twenty percent
0: off. And for you long time listeners, you may have noticed that we change it from foreplay to moreplay because we have some additional products coming out, new website, going over some new branding and we have some new functions on the site as well if you are loving the product like most people are we also have a subscribe and save function that will give you a little bit of a discount and give you regular deliveries. so like lauren said check it out go to woomoreplay.com and enter promo code him and her for 20 percent off your entire order enjoy
1: okay we all know i'm a human guinea pig so it shouldn't surprise you guys that i'm still taking ritual and i have to say after taking it for months i'm obsessed i keep it right by my toothbrush I just pop two in my mouth after I brush my teeth. It's super minty and it has all the standout star vitamins. It has iron, vitamin E, magnesium, folate, and even omega-3. So you should know that it's also vegan, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, and allergen-free. 95% of women do not get the vitamins and minerals they need on a daily basis. Ritual created a smarter vitamin with nine essential ingredients women lack most. Go to ritual.com skinny to get yours today. Choose clean ingredients backed by science and sign up now. Ritual.com skinny.
0: He's a lifestyle blogger extraordinaire. Fantastic. And he's a serial entrepreneur. A very smart cookie. And now Lauren Everts and Michael Bostic are bringing you along for the ride. Get ready
1: for some major realness.
0: Welcome to the Skinny Confidential, Him and Her. Uh Aha!
2: For women to be honest about what they want sexually, they have to go through a lot more levels of bias and shame, and it's sort of harder for them to peel it apart. So when we say that people need to be honest about what they want, and I think one thing that can help women get to that point is when they have access to the data and the science that tells them that what they've been taught about themselves is untrue
0: welcome back welcome back to the skinny confidential him and her show if you're new to the show thank you for joining that clip was from our guests of the show today Wednesday Martin as always this show pushes the envelope on this episode we discuss sex monogamy female infidelity desire sex talk being open, removing misconceptions around sex, and even more. This
1: show is so taboo. I'm obsessed with taboo topics, and I think it's really awesome um, to use our platform for topics that move the needle like this. I'm very, very much excited for you guys to hear this episode.
0: Moving the needle, and for those of you that are new, I am Michael Bostic. I am a serial entrepreneur and brand builder. Most recently, the CEO of Dear Media. Across from me is my lovely wife, Lauren, I will let her introduce herself.
1: You're kinda of staring at my boobs.
0: Well what's going on? You're wearing this like weird latex thing, okay.
1: It's like a black latex bodysuit. You
0: talked to a Wednesday one time and now you're in these new outfits. Yeah, okay. you never
1: know. I'm Lauren Everts. I'm the creator of the Skinny Confidential, which is a cheeky resource for beauty, skin, and business.
0: You know why I love this show and I say this all the time, said it multiple times, because and, and listen, tooting my own horn, even though it's like <laughs> I'm on the show, I don't want to be overconfident, but at the same time, like I love this show so much because... You think you're getting something. Even as the the host, you think you're getting something. You think you're going to get into a certain topic. And all of a sudden, you take a right turn into a place that you've never been before, that you've never gone, that you've never explored.
1: My favorite thing to do.
0: And you have conversations around topics and with people that you just don't expect to have. You know, it's like the episode with Susie who... I thought we were going to go in and talk about poo and how she built it and this whole business thing. And then all of a sudden, we get into the weeds and talk about all sorts of different things. Here with Wednesday, I knew... Um, you know, when I was researching Wednesday that this, in, this conversation was going to be interesting, but again, didn't know it was going to go where it went. And I think, you know, if I was listening to a show, not to toot my own horn, I would want that kind of variety. I think, um, you know, as I focused on the podcast space more, um, it's important to constantly involve your conversation, constantly involve your show. If you're a content creator, constantly push the envelope, you don't want to constantly be talking about the same things, fitting into a box. That being said. Um, This conversation's out there, Lauren.
1: It's progressive. We're going to shake it up. We're going to press boundaries. I really, really appreciate that about Wednesday for me to um, hang out and talk with a woman that doesn't give a fuck what anyone thinks and is is very, very um, interested in evolving and evolving the conversation really gets me off.
0: I like Lauren and I both like compelling, non-boring people. We really like, that's what we're drawn to. I like to hear new, new things. That doesn't necessarily mean we always agree with everything, but I think it's important, especially in this time, to give people the platform to showcase their beliefs and give their point of view because for so long throughout history people weren't able to do that and now you know with platforms like this they are and I think it's important to hear everybody out no matter what beliefs you have.
1: I'm glad she's speaking out too on women she talks about women's sexual desires because women do have sexual desires it's not just men Michael.
0: Women's infidelities.
1: Yeah you never know. It's
0: not just us men we're getting a bad rap.
1: I love to lead with fear this is great. (laughs) Speaking of great things for women let's talk about ritual. So you guys know I've been trying Ritual for the last couple months and loving it. I even did a blog post on it. First of all, it's been on my radar forever because how can you miss it off Instagram? It's so Instagrammy. If you guys haven't seen the package, you gotta stalk their Instagram, okay? It's it's chic AF. You want it on the feed. If you're wondering, Ritual is the brand that's reinventing the experience with nine essential nutrients women lack the most. So if you're ready to invest in your health, I highly recommend that you pick up Ritual, okay guys? It doesn't give you any kind of gross, chalky taste. It actually is infused with peppermint oil, which gives you this really nice, minty taste, which we love. I personally am kind of a vitamin snob. I feel like I've tried so many different ones. So for me to be sticking with one day after day is kind of incredible. Like I said, I even keep it next to my toothbrush. I just feel like vitamins are are kind of like deodorant, you know? It's it's really hard to find a good deodorant. When when you find one, I want to blab my mouth around town, but you never want to be like recommending things that you don't absolutely love. So with Ritual, I know that when I tell you guys about it, you're going to love it. You're going to keep it by your toothbrush and you're going to think the bottle is so, so cute, okay? So I did my research, like a lot of research with Ritual, okay? And if you if you want to do your own research, you should definitely go to their site. They break everything down in, in a very scientific way, but in a basic way so that you can understand. It's not too crazy. So like I said, I've tested tons of vitamins, but this one is the only one that's TSC Master List approved. There's Tons of different vitamins in ritual, okay? So you get vitamin K2, D3, B12, omega-3, boron, iron, vitamin E, folate, and magnesium. Personally, I love magnesium because it really keeps things moving, if you know what I mean. And you don't have to have thousands of bottles, okay? You just have one bottle. I took it when I was traveling, and like I always say, it was pretty damn efficient. Ritual has a happiness guarantee, no questions asked, and you can cancel any time. Okay, guys? Amazing. If you're ready to invest in your health, do what I did and go to ritual.com skinny. Consider it your lifelong health 401k. Why put anything but clean ingredients backed by real science in your body? Go to ritual.com skinny to get yours today.
0: Wendy Wednesday Martin is an American author and cultural critic. She has authored multiple books around parenting, sex, pop culture, step parenting, and more. She just released her new book, Untrue, Why Nearly Everything We Believe About Women, Lust, and Infidelity Is Wrong, and How the New Science Can Set Us Free. This is a very progressive conversation. We love bringing people on to shake it up and push the boundaries. Wednesday definitely delivers on that account. With that, let's welcome Wednesday Martin to the show.
2: Okay, Wednesday what is a pussy whisperer a pussy whisperer is a trainer a female trainer she can be anywhere in the country but i learned about the ones in new york city um who works closely with assumedly heterosexual women who um sometimes decide that they're going to have affairs with their trainers so when i was um starting to research this book i was at a party And everybody knew I was writing a book about female sexuality. And they were being very helpful. And at this party, a woman came over to me and said, you're writing about the Pussy Whisperers, right? And I said, yeah, what are they? And she told me. And that really set me on a course. Because the message there, what was clear was that female sexuality is not what we think it is. You know, when a woman who's married and has children and lives in a conservative neighborhood in one of the most conservative niches of the United States, the Upper East Side, is having an affair with her female trainer, it makes you question everything you thought you knew, not just about female sexuality, but about women. So the book sort of started from questions like that. I'm never going to figure women out. Wait, wait, wait. Back up. So, uh, so
1: when you're saying a woman's having an affair with a female trainer, can Mm -hmm. you elaborate on that a
2: little bit more? Yes, I first heard about it. There's a big public story in New York City um, about a woman who was in a traditional marriage, and she um, ended up leaving her marriage to a man for her female soul cycle trainer. And they're both very out about it. And it was very inspiring to a lot of women whether they were straight or bisexual or gay or just defined as somewhere along that spectrum. Women in New York really were fascinated by that story. And we started to see that, um, as you might suspect, this wasn't just one thing. Um, The sex researcher Lisa Diamond coined this term female sexual fluidity. She found that we all have an orientation. That's a very real thing. But some of us, more often more women than men, have this additional factor Fluidity so that our orientation doesn't always provide the last word on who we're attracted to. So, really, what was happening with these women was they were sort of a living laboratory for the sex research about female sexual fluidity. They were married, um, often they appeared very conservative, um, but their sexuality was something else again. And when they were out in the Hamptons in the summer and their husbands were away, they were enjoying sex with their female trainers. When you say trainers, do you mean like a personal trainer? Mm -hmm, Sorry, like an exercise coach, a personal trainer. uh, The first big story about it was at SoulCycle. Um, Now, of course, there are plenty of female trainers who aren't having affairs with their female clients. But what's interesting to me as a social researcher and through the lens of anthropology is that in one of the most conservative places in the country, Female sexual behavior looks downright freaky compared to male sexual behavior. What's behind that? What's it all about? and what can it tell us about the backstory of human female sexuality all over the world?
0: So we're going to jump into <laughs> all of this. I'm sure this episode is going to go all over the place. I'm very excited. We're here with author Wednesday Martin, author of the new book, Untrue, Why Nearly Everything We Believe About Women, Lust and Infidelity is Wrong and How the New Science Can Set Us Free. Wednesday, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having me. I thought me.
0: that I had a brief understanding of women and now once again, I am going to... <laughs> you
2: better watch decomp- out. I'm gonna Leave you for Kim and Ingrid at the same time. It could could happen, and I have to say, I would not be surprised. Oh god, nothing surprises me anymore.
0: I have to worry about everything.
2: You know what? I can
1: see why women though would become lesbian or bi later in life because they just get so fed up with men. Like men just start to get so annoying that it's like fuck this
2: shit.
0: Do I I have have to worry
2: here? You You don't have to worry because what you're going to learn is that women are not who you were taught they are and that women are more deeply sexual and interesting and sexually adventurous than you knew. Now, to your point, I think you're right that we do see a lot of women later in life in their 50s and 60s Um, According to Lisa Diamond, the sex researcher, she said to me, we think that as we get older, our sexuality settles. And she says, what I actually have learned studying female sexual fluidity is that female sexuality really changes over time. So I interviewed women who told me stories like my mom was married to my dad for 40 years and then he died and now my mom is with a woman. And Lisa Diamond and other sex researchers tell us we shouldn't be surprised by this, that female sexuality changes with life stages. Well, for me, like I'm attracted to energy.
1: If you have mm. good energy, I mean, I'm I'm all about that. I think energy is so important.
2: Well, you know what? That's exactly to Lisa Diamond's point. Maybe your sexual orientation isn't providing the last word on who you're attracted to. You're saying you're at a club or you're at the library. I don't know where you go. And suddenly you see somebody who's, energy as you describe it is really appealing to you that matters to you maybe more than whether that person is male or female or identifies as neither look out michael
0: Uh, i guess so
2: you never know plot twist let's, let's, let's go back
0: here i could tell you're going to be a very interesting person can you tell us your earliest childhood memory i want to i want to kind of dive into the person that became interested in the subjects that that you're now interested in
2: my earliest childhood memory. Wow, I think I might have been four, and I was having a birthday party in my backyard. That's that's about as far back as I can go.
0: How do you how do you think you got to this place? Where did you grow up?
2: I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which is a very conservative place. At one point, I was told that it had more churches per square mile than anywhere else in the country, um, and. It was it like repressed mom, a little bit? It was repressed, it, very Christian, um, very socially conservative on every measure, but I had a mom who was a feminist. Um, it was, you know, the 70s, and she breastfed my brothers in public, and she subscribed to Ms. Magazine. She had a bumper sticker that said, Uppity Women Unite. She was sort of a classic second-wave feminism um, feminist. And... At the same time, I learned that in Grand Rapids, there was a really big, thriving gay scene as I got older. So really, I was raised learning that things are not what they appear, and that if you look under the surface, uh, you're going to find contradictions and surprises. So that might have been what drew me to the project of writing about women's lives and using social science um, to kind of decode women's social behaviors, including our sexual behaviors.
1: Is there a specific event or maybe an experience that you can remember that sparked your interest in the conversation around sex?
2: Maybe an epiphany? I remember when I was a kid, um, my friend got her mom's copy of The Happy Hooker. So this must have been the happy the, hooker. The happy this was a book. This was that a really juicy, popular book in the seventies. I'm like downloading it tonight. There was a lot. There was a lot of great um, reading about female sexuality in the seventies. So the happy hooker was about a prostitute, and my friend and I hid in her closet, and we read it, and we were titillated and scandalized I remember feeling almost ill from it Um, and then and at another point my mother had a copy of a book called My Secret Garden by a writer named Nancy Friday and Nancy Friday sort of blew Americans minds in 1973 or 1974 by telling them women have sexual fantasies and she collected hundreds of them in a book called my secret garden now it doesn't sound like that big a deal now to assert that women have sexual fantasies but at the time people didn't believe that it was true and the reason they didn't believe it was true is that they didn't believe that women had a sexuality apart from men that women could have this whole autonomous internal playground that was really quite perverse and weird and out there But she proved that it was true and there was a lot of backlash. Meanwhile, I just loved reading about these women's sexual fantasies. And I highly suggest that everybody read My Secret Garden. It will um, do what Nancy Friday did back in 1973 or 1974. It will really surprise people. I am for sure reading that. You have to. I I think you're going to like it. I wrote a piece about her for The Daily Beast when she died. um, And a lot of women a lot younger than me got in touch and said i had never known about nancy friday what a badass she was yeah. how she changed the way we think of female sexuality um so it was really powerful what she did and she encountered a lot of resistance a lot of people were very angry you yeah,
0: can imagine especially at that time
2: yeah In a way, it was the 70s were a great time to be writing about female sexuality, right? You had Sula by Toni Morrison, Fear of Flying by Erica Jong, The Happy Hooker, Nancy Friday. Um, But on the other hand, uh, it was a dangerous time to be writing about female sexuality. These women did have second wave feminism, sort of protecting them from blowback, but these were still new, really threatening ideas. And I think telling the truth about female sexuality is still a pretty controversial thing to do when you encounter a lot of resistance. Which is ridiculous. I mean, it's so ridiculous.
1: I know. The the guys can talk about jerking off to Pornhub, but we're not allowed
2: to talk about using our pink vibrator. There's the double standard is alive and well in on true. I talk about how I feel like the double standard was baked into the history of this country very early on. You Do you know? think
0: it's necessarily like a double standard or it just people are uncomfortable? Before we get into that, let's talk about one of our favorite show sponsors, show partners, Thrive Market. They really are our one stop shop for everything when it comes to household supplies, snacks. Food, beauty supplies, a little bit of everything. We go there all the time. We go back and forth from LA to San Diego, as many of you guys know. And sometimes it's just difficult to stock the house, right? We just don't have time to get to the grocery store with our busy schedules. And a lot of the time, um, we just, you know, we just don't want to go to the grocery store. It's a pain in the ass, especially for me. I've said many times, my dad used to drag me around to the grocery store when I was a kid and I think I am traumatized. That's why I love Thrive Market so much. I can go on there, I can order all of our favorites in one spot, have them delivered straight to the door. Even the annoying stuff like detergents and dish soap and hand soap, they have it all in one place. You can even shop by specific diet, which is great for me because I'm usually the worst um, figuring this kind of stuff out. If you're paleo, gluten-free, vegetarian, vegan, they have sections for you so you can make it easy. Also, they source the best and healthiest products Um, so that you don't have to go and be sitting around in the grocery store deciding which almond butter is the best one. Lauren sends me out to do that and I look at 50 almond butters and I just get confused and overwhelmed. Thrive Market is your one-stop shop for high-end, high-quality and highly discounted groceries, supplements, beauty products and household supplies. They guarantee their customers 25 to 50% below retail because they cut out the middleman. And Thrive Market is offering all Skinny Confidential, him and her listeners, 25% off your first order and free shipping with a one-month trial when you go to thrivemarket.com slash skinny. We would not be talking about this brand so much so frequently on this show if we didn't really believe in them. We vet all of the brands that work with us and just it's a testament that Thrive has been on this show for so long. It just shows how much we love them because if we didn't, they wouldn't be here. Again, to take advantage of 25% off your first order and free shipping with a one-month trial, go to thrivemarket.com slash skinny. Again, that's thrivemarket.com slash skinny. Happy shopping, everyone. You will love Thrive Market if you're not already on there and also I forget to mention Lauren has a special Thrive page that she's set up with all of our favorites on there that you can check out again if you go to our link so be sure to check that out and all of the great items on Thrive.
2: I think it's both. both. I think those two things feed each other. Um, in Plymouth County uh, sorry in Plymouth Colony and Massachusetts Bay Colony in the 1600s women who were married and cheated a term I don't like were guilty of adultery, but married men who cheated with unmarried women were guilty of the much lesser crime of fornication.
1: I feel like that's still so how it is, though. Still, now, so yeah,
2: you so write I'm about trying, this in your yeah. new book, right? Mm-hmm. About
0: female infidelity, the and
2: long history of the double standard. Um, you know how we got where we are right now, um, and how the double standard. Continues to affect women, and basically, my book is called "Untrue" because it's about how there's so much bias in the science um, about female sexuality, and I feel it got us to a really messed up place. Yeah,
0: people think men maybe cheat more than women, but in your research, have you found that it's equal, less less mm-hmm. women, more women, more men, more women? What yeah. have you What have you found in your studies? Um,
2: I found I interviewed thirty experts on female infidelity. So some of them are primatologists, some were anthropologists, sociologists a lot of ists. Um, And I I also spoke to 30 women who had experienced infidelity firsthand. Here's the deal. First of all, women cheat. Um, They cheat at rates basically equal to men into their mid-40s, according to a lot of reliable studies. Um, I was just looking at a study in Great Britain, which showed that 19 percent of women and 20 percent of men in a pretty reliable and representative sample admitted that they had cheated. Now, the other thing that we know is that when it comes to infidelity, people probably feel hesitant to disclose honestly. Yeah. So we're it's safe to assume that the numbers are higher. So one uh, reliable measure in the U.S. puts the rate of female infidelity at 13 percent. But another source says that as much as 50% of women have had intercourse with somebody, not their husband, while they're married. I think the truth lies somewhere in between. Um, My view of things is always that I look at things cross-culturally. So there's this great anthropologist named Meredith Small. She became really obsessed with female sexuality. And she noticed in her survey of 133 countries that there was not a single one without female infidelity, even in countries where women died from it. And she said infidelity is normative. And so is female infidelity in spite of our belief that women do it less. Ever married women between 18 and 29 cheat more than their male peers. So this whole idea that men cheat more is untrue.
1: I just think that it has to do with shame why we don't hear more about it. I think that if Brian and Susie Homemaker are married and, you know, Susie Homemaker is a PTA mom that does, you know, the room mom, um, you know, B.S., she is going to get more shame from her community if she cheats as opposed to Brian who's going to get high fives from his friends so it's just I think that where no one talks about it on the women's side it, it does have the foundation is
2: shame the foundation I agree with you there is um there is an aspect of it being especially shameful to be a woman who refuses monogamy. So what the sociologist Alicia Walker said to me about that that I thought was so interesting, she said, you know, when a guy steps out or refuses monogamy, it basically enhances his masculinity. When a woman does it, there's something unnatural about it because we believe that men have stronger sex drives, and we believe that men are more naturally promiscuous so when a woman cheats she's not just violating the social script that says that monogamy is the best thing and you should really do it she's also violating a gender script so women who refuse monogamy are sort of double renegades they're breaking down our social expectations and they're breaking down our gender expectations too and i think that's where shame comes to play
0: so there's a book called evolutionary psychology and it kind of, and I want to get your take on this, um, breaks down some of these theories. And it's <clears throat> speaking of monogamy, you know, if you if you go back, they said in, in this, and you could disagree with me. I'm not saying I agree with this, I just, what I've read in this book, they're saying a, a lot of this monogamy comes from b- before when a man was seeking out a mate, you know, the woman, he would impregnate a woman, and there's nine months where other men would not be as pursuitful of that specific woman. And that male's goal then was to go and continue to. Populate to say it kindly, um, other women, and so they were saying that a lot of that monogamy and a lot of these theories of monogamy come from from that. What do you mm-hmm. What do you think about that take?
2: So that's kind of considered old science now. Okay, um, and that held sway for a long time. Um, in 1948, uh, an English geneticist named Angus Bateman studied a bunch of fruit flies, and he said after he sort of marked them in special ways and watched them reproduce, gave them time to do that, and then he assessed his results. And he said, the males benefited from having more than one mate. Multiple mates, yeah. But the females didn't benefit from it. Now that fit in with everybody's really neat notion that, That, as you said... That theory, yeah. Mm -hmm. So fast forward uh, to several years when women start entering sex research, primatology, anthropology... And they're looking at actual animal and human behavior on the ground, and here's what they're seeing. Females mate multiply, and females know it. Female langurs mate multiply. Female fruit flies mate multiply. Um, Human females mate multiply. And it takes females becoming field scientists to start asking why to start looking at promiscuity as a breeding strategy that might serve females. Meanwhile there's all this resistance and people are saying, that's impossible. They become pregnant or they lay eggs and and different birth rates. Yeah, so how how can this be the case? So what these female scientists discovered was that in fact females benefit. They also increase their reproductive success by mating multiply. And that males often re- increase their reproductive success by sticking around. So here's what the new science is telling us. When females mated multiply in our evolutionary prehistory, and when many females do it now, they garner a lot of benefits from having multiple mates. First of all, they get a wonderful selection of sperm. And in doing so, they're hedging against the possibility that, there could be- that one yeah. guy is infertile. If you're monogamous, if you're a monogamous mammal or any animal and you're monogamously mated, what if he's infertile? That, there goes your reproductive success. So that brings my next
0: question. So do you believe in monogamy?
2: I believe that monogamy is a strategy that works sometimes. Going back to all the reasons that it benefited females to mate multiply in so many species and probably us in our evolutionary prehistory, what that does is it complicates this really simple narrative that it's great for guys to inseminate a lot of females and run, and it's great for females to just grab one guy and stick with them for life. The data doesn't bear it out. The observations of animals don't bear it out. Right here uh, in Los Angeles in UC- at UCLA, a biologist named Patricia Goati redid the fruit fly study. She tried to replicate Bateman's study, and she found out that the females benefited from mating multiply just like the males. This really easy distinction that was the basis of a lot of evolutionary psychology for a lot of years is being radically rethought now. So That's interesting. Yeah. So I highly recommend uh, having a look at criticisms of that because that's where the science is now. What do you think the benefits or limitations are with monogamy? Well, I think that for that, I mean, we could look to the primate literature, but it helps to think about human beings. Um, And I think that what the sex research is showing us is that monogamy is difficult for men and women for basically the same reasons. First of all, um, the new science is showing us that men and women pretty much uh, cheat or um, openly refuse sexual exclusivity for the same reasons. We used to think women step out because they want emotional connection, something's bad in the relationship, and that's why they're stepping out. Men are just stepping out for sex. Very bad science. What we've learned is that. Women, much of the time, and uh, a sociologist named Alicia Walker discovered this, um, a lot of the time women are stepping out because they want excitement and they want orgasms and they're in a sexless relationship or they've been in a relationship where they're still having sex, but they're bored of partnered sex. Meanwhile, plenty of times men are seeking emotional connection. So as um, as one expert I interviewed said to me, her name is Tammy Nelson. She wrote a book called The New Monogamy. She says, men and women are closer than we have thought they are when it comes to infidelity. Okay, what are the limitations? Well, it turns out that monogamy, the new science is showing us, is actually harder for women than it is for men. Um, the work of several sex researchers is showing that women really crave variety. It's harder for women to for be monogamous. Women than it is men you better look out <laughs> we're so much more interesting than you've been taught right yeah,
0: apparently
2: yeah so there's this researcher uh at the university of nevada las vegas her name is marta miana and she was working with all this group of women who were happily married they loved their marriages they loved their husbands who were their long-term partner one thing was wrong really low levels of desire So like the
0: love portion of it wasn't the issue. No, No. desire, Michael. It's different. Desire is
2: different. different. So they were saying, she said, what's going on here? Now, a lot of sex researchers would have just said, it's obvious. Women don't like sex as much as men do. So that's what's going on here. And Viana wasn't happy with that. She went to these women and she interviewed them in depth. And here's what she found out. She found out that monogamy and sameness is harder on female desire than it is on male desire. She found out that in the aggregate, if men in long-term partnered relationships are getting regular sex from their partner, they're likely to report pretty high levels of satisfaction, sexual and relationship satisfaction. Women in the aggregate in long-term partnerships who are having regular sex with their long-term partner are dramatically less likely to report high levels of sexual satisfaction. It took Marta Miana thinking about it carefully and refusing to fall into the trap of women just like sex less for us to understand that long-term partnered sexuality is harder on the female libido than it is on the male libido. Women struggle with monogamy in the aggregate. Probably more than men do, and that's a complete undoing of everything that we've been taught.
1: Talk to us a little bit about
2: the importance of being desired, whether it's from a man or a woman's standpoint. Yeah, so this is something else that Marta Miana works on. Um, she wrote a really funny paper called It's Not You, It's Me, and this was about an experiment that she had women do. She, ha- she said to a group of women and a group of men, um, would you have sex with yourself And the men said to her, most of them, I'm sorry, they didn't really know what she was talking about. She said to the women, would you have sex with yourself? And the women said, oh yeah, hell yes. And she said, they said it as if they already had had sex with themselves. She said, what is going on there? And she realized that for women, there was this idea that finding themselves sexy turned them on. And men didn't have the same idea. She said, how do I quantify this? She said to... She said to the same group of people, if you're having sex in front of a mirror, say, with your partner, how much of the time are you looking at yourself and how much of the time are you looking at your partner? And the men said, pretty much I'm always looking at my partner. And the women said, I'm looking at myself. And Marta- What do you do, Lauren? I look at myself. Sometimes the yeah. mirror stuff
0: comes as well. I think it's about 50-50 for me.
2: Is it 50-50
1: for you? Maybe. I think so. Oh, wow. Maybe. That's pretty honest. You look at yourself 50% I, will, I
0: see what's going on. I just got to make sure the <laughs> form's good. get lock, Back's in place, locked in. Uh, a lot
2: of uh, people uh, like a yeah. mirror. It makes them... Um, it who gives, doesn't like a yeah. mirror? We have mirrors all over our room. That's really good. You have to feel <laughs> sorry for the people and excited for the people who haven't done it yet, and they still have that threshold to cross. If crawl. you are listening and you have
1: not had sex in front of a mirror, immediately go to home goods and buy a mirror yes exactly a huge ass mirror and
2: have it installed and enjoy that because what we know Mm. is women have this kind of autonomous aspect to their sexuality where they're not like staring into their partner's eye looking for connection all the time sometimes they're just turned on by a hot body part and sometimes that hot body part is their own and sometimes they're really into just watching themselves have sex here's another really funny thing that she found out you know how sometimes you say to him like how do i look in this dress and then he says that you look good and you Kind of discounted a little bit it's because when our long-term partners admire us as women what marta Mana found is that does a lot less for us than the lustful glance of a total stranger i was
0: listening to a stand-up comedian it was a woman I, who who was that uh she was good but um, she was saying, you know, like you walk in a mall and you're with your partner, like you still want that glance from the stranger. You but still, men oh, and women want that, right? Or no? Men
2: and women want that, but here's an interesting thing that we found out is that women want it more. Here's something she found out. When you're in a long term partnership with a man and a woman, for women, all that familiarity and all that sort of institutionalization of your roles that happens when you move in together or you put a ring on it, it dampens their desire more than it dampens men's desire. Women need that Separateness and that excitement I'm start and getting that some disguises. Yeah. Right? You I'm start popping disguises out of nowhere. disguises.
0: Really
1: we good still idea. need to do sexy stranger.
0: Come, gonna, oh yeah, sexy Emil- stranger. Sex yeah. with Emily.
2: Yeah. You That's need to a do
1: that. Idea. Sex with Emily came on our podcast and told us that we need to do sexy stranger. Do sexy stranger. I'm still waiting around for the sexy stranger to I'm ask me gonna, on a fucking yeah, date. He, yeah, he yeah, should he ask should you.
0: He's yeah.
2: coming. Yeah, yeah where is he? Maybe you'll go by yourself to a bar. Marta says, you know what? If you're in a long-term relationship and you're a woman. Here's something that you could do. Okay, you could get a mirror. That could work for you. You could also, when you're meeting your husband or your partner for dinner, just show up by yourself first. Separateness. Women are very turned on by separateness. They're also very turned on by variety and novelty. The sex researcher named Meredith Chivers studied what porn women's bodies responded to and what porn men's bodies responded to men who were heterosexual said to her well you know I like uh, I'm heterosexual like what do you expect I'm turned on by men having sex with women and women having sex with women and she found that lo and behold that was pretty much the case then she said to heterosexual women um let's see what you're turned on by and um they were heterosexual women so after all you would think that they would be turned on by men having sex with men and women having sex with men they they, weren't. they their bodies yeah. responded to those things. Their bodies also responded to women having sex with women. Their bodies I only responded. like to watch porn of women having sex with women. Yep. I don't
1: I have enough yep. penis. I don't need you some don't need random us. guys penis on the porn screen. You're like, done I'm good with that. I know I'm good for penis. Like I've had the penis. So wh- you,
2: like a, you like you like am Glad you're getting
0: your fill. She's literally. getting she's
2: <laughs> getting her variety and novelty the way So women's uh, menus it turned out were mu- the, the heterosexual women's menus were, you know, from here to Burbank, whereas the men's sexual menus were the width of this laptop screen. Women have a really wide variety so of things that we like to think your about. Your menu wow. is tiny little menu? Well, you know I mean, no offense to your um, menu, but it is narrower. Hey, listen, that like, menu my is me, not, listen, not my kind of by. menu.
0: I'm getting by. You can take I your... had this long beard one time, mm. with the most, like big beard, You wouldn't mm. recognize me, and she was all into it because it, she, it was. I think she thought it was like someone else or something. Yeah,
2: it was like I was cheating on him. A mm. lot of women feel that way. Listen, if there's a sex that evolved... For promiscuity if there's a sex that struggles with monogamy if there's a sex that has one organ dedicated to pleasure only it's not men so I believe that that was a big turn-on for her because the idea of getting something novel and new is uniquely exciting to women okay weren't you taught the opposite weren't you taught that men need to have variety novelty and men get bored in the aggregate women get bored in a long-term partnership more quickly than men do. We need to deal with this data. Otherwise, women are going to feel very weird about themselves.
1: Okay, but I also want to point out the other end of the spectrum, which mm-hmm. is men get grouped into this category where they're dogs and they cheat yeah. and blah, blah, blah. I have a friend. It's Don't worry, fair. I won't call you out, babe. I have a friend is that,
0: that... Wait, is, that, is this directed towards me? No, it's not you. Oh. Uh,
1: no, excuse me, babe. This is not Michael. Uh, babe, I mean like my friend, babe. Um, oh, okay. But, right.
2: but the friend's name is Is not, babe.
1: No. I have a friend who I love that loves to get escorts. And Uh he told me that he sometimes gets escorts and doesn't sleep with them. He just, what you said earlier, wants that emotional connection Uh and wants to, like, literally cuddle. Yeah and have that presence there as a woman. So I also think if we're going to talk about how women are misunderstood, I think it's also important to talk about sometimes men don't just always want sex. That's
2: exactly right. The bad science that has told us that men need to roam and spread their seed and men are more naturally promiscuous and that women are hearthbound and domestic. It's not just harming women, it's harming men too. And it's, giving men and women a fundamental misunderstanding of each other so absolutely all these untruths that we've been fed about how men naturally are and how women naturally are are harming all of us i mean i think the logical horizon of the bad science is that we needed to have the me too movement because we started to think that it was just natural and justifiable that men were sexual predators and we said what do you expect? And a bunch of women your age said, I expect a lot better. And a m- bunch of men your age said, I expect a lot better. We don't, accept, we don't accept that men are naturally sexual predators. So bad science can take us to very bad places.
0: Yeah, I agree. You know, one of my questions here, which I'm actually gonna end up skipping over is, what <laughs> is something you believe that most people are shocked by? But I think we've gone into so many topics here that we don't even need that question now. So I wanna, you're, you're a mother. Yes. I want to talk to you about um, the belief that children, and listen, I'm not a parent, Lauren's not a parent, and maybe this is controversial for me, or maybe I'll get in trouble, word it wrong, so apologies if I do. But the belief that children need monogamous parents to mm-hmm. be together in a relationship to be parented correctly. Uh-huh. Um, from what from a lot of things I've seen, you know, I think it's worse when the child is parented by two parents that are together and miserable with each other because you mm. g- grows up seeing fights and... You know, it's unstable. I actually think in those cases, maybe it's better for the parents to co-parent, but Separately in separate mm-hmm. households I just kind of wanted to get your take on yeah, that Yeah,
2: that's It's a really interesting question about you know Who does monogamy serve um, We know that it's hard for women We know that it's as hard for women as it is for men And it might be even harder for women A lot of anthropologists believe That monogamy is pretty new Maybe 10,000 years old And it's a compromise um, And it's a compromise that children win Because they get this thing called Bi-parental care, right? Two people caring for them Where were we before 10,000 years ago? The new science is telling us that we most likely evolved as cooperative breeders. That means we lived in these kind of loose, rangy bands, and we had multiple sexual partners, and we raised our children cooperatively. That's what cooperative breeding means. And so what happened 10,000 years ago when we broke down into... A unit, which is called a dyad or a pair, um, what happened was we made it harder to raise children and we kind of swerved from the evolutionary script that sort of made child-rearing easier. Um, and so we find ourselves in this place now. And when people say that monogamy is natural or that it's the best thing, all I can think of the way that I view the world is it's only 10,000 years old and we're still trying to get used to it and it's hard for us. I just
1: don't get why there has to be one right thing. I think everyone's different. Yeah. I think to to make a blanket
2: statement that monogamy is right for yeah. everyone is, is close-minded. It is pretty close-minded and what's really happening right now is that people are unsatisfied with it and acting on it in new ways. and Not just people your age, not just the people in the polyamory movement that I spoke to, not just swingers that I spoke to, not just people who are into consensual non-monogamy. People across the country seem to be very um, interested in alternatives. Um, there's this sex researcher named Amy Moores, and she did this study for a 10-year period between about 2006 and 2015. She looked at people's internet searches for terms related to polyamory open relationship, consensual non-monogamy. And she found that over that 10-year period, there was a dramatic uptick across the country. Not just LA and New York, not just in big cities, but everywhere in America. People were really interested in these terms. So what I like to say is, okay, in 2013, over 90% of Americans told Gallup pollsters that they thought that infidelity was always wrong. At the same time, at our internet searches, look at the TV shows that we like, right? Like Big Love, um, you know, Unicorn Land, um, all the shows about polyamory. Um, look at the shows, we like. look at the books we're reading. The Ethical Slut is a really popular book. Esther Perel's works on um, infidelity, really popular. Americans might say that they think that monogamy is the best way, but they're very curious about their options and things are changing. What about Fifty Shades of Grey? Did you see women went crazy over Fifty Shades women of Grey? Women went nuts. And what about how everybody demeaned women for going nuts over Fifty Shades of Grey? And what about how people missed the point? People said, oh, it's S&M light. People said, oh, it's just a Harlequin romance. And they missed the whole point, which is that women are super freaks sexually. Even women in Florida who are octogenarians who all went to E.L. James's book events they were interested in a story about sexuality that is considered an alternative lifestyle or a little bit weird although increasingly it's entering the mainstream isn't it interesting that nobody thought to say wow It's women who are driving a massive cultural interest in S&M. It's I, almost like we couldn't wrap our minds around. Yeah, it around. wasn't the, the
0: men leading it. I think, though, that,
2: that the
1: thing that I liked about that movie is that he put so much effort into the sex. Like, there was, like, so much effort that was put in. Like, guys get so lazy. Taylor came on our show um, probably a year ago, our producer, and talked about how he, um, what would you call it to be nice, um, uh, a one-pump chump. Okay. <laughs> they get lazy. They just, like, roll over and, like, stick it in. And it's like, come on, put some, put some elbow grease in Put it. some
2: elbow grease into it and some creativity. And think about, you know, we now know that the most basic things that we were taught about female sexual anatomy are untrue. We were taught that our clitoris is this really tiny little thing. Do you know how big it is? It's all on the inside and it's the size of a medium zucchini. Yeah, Michael. Jesus Christ. Okay. It's a medium zucchini. And it's just for pleasure. Taylor, did you hear that? Did you guys know that ounce per ounce, centimeter per centimeter, women have as much erectile tissue as men do? Did you know that women wake up every morning with a boner? And that when women women get turned on, they get erections and hard-ons. Think about it. Okay, so listen. Women have this vast thing called the female erectile network. Women evolved to have multiple orgasms. Women have no refractory period or rest period between their orgasms. They can have them right in a row like this. Don't be jealous, guys. So it is something that could make you jealous. What else it could do is it could inspire you, this fact, this anatomical fact about women, combined with the fact that we now know that women have these wider menus of what turns them on than men. What heterosexual men could be doing now is sort of bowing down before the incredible force of female sexuality that the new science is teaching us is there and that we didn't really know about before. So do I love the idea of men putting effort into it? I do because it's going to benefit everybody. Um, You know, there are these guys that I write about in Untrue they they call themselves cucks they say that they're in the cuckold lifestyle they call their wives hot wives and they enjoy watching their wives have sex with other men you would hate that <laughs> well i'm not saying that it's for everyone but here's the you amazing are, what's the opposite of that yeah what's the uh, opposite of that
0: no listen I, to his to each his own to
2: each his own right so these people um are admittedly sort of an extreme in terms of um, sexual behavior and and how men and women like to be with each other um, they're really radical and that they're sort of disavowing the whole script of masculine possession of a woman but one thing that they're doing that's so interesting is they're sort of Understanding that women are really powerfully sexual, and they're turning that into a spectacle for themselves to watch and enjoy. So that is maybe um, one end of the spectrum of how men are going to want to start really understanding not what they've been told female sexuality is, but what the new data is revealing female sexuality to actually be.
0: To me, I like to get to the. I like to try to get to the root of things, and I think. This is a lot of complex stuff, so we're definitely not going to be able to do all that here. But I think a lot of the root causes for a lot of these issues, whether it's monogamy, infidelity, is that the people are not being honest with themselves and they're feeling shame and they're feeling judged by society. And to me, like I said, to each his own, I really, I know what I'm about. I know what I like. And I hope I know what Lauren likes. And I hope we communicate that to each other and like from a, yeah. a place of trust and honesty mm-hmm. and understanding I think where people get in trouble is they're not being honest with their partner and more yeah. more importantly, they're not being honest with themselves. And that's where a lot of the problems go. Yeah, because if, if I was ever in, if I'm ever in a situation with Lauren and she's like, Hey, you know, I'm not happy and I want to go do these things, then I, as the individual, have to respect that. I can't stop that, or right? I can't change it if she's having those feelings. Right. But when it comes to infidelity, mm-hmm. My issue is not that people are going and and not being monogamous. It's that they're not being completely honest with themselves and their partner.
2: And this is a new um, possibility that's opening up for people again. I mean, it it has happened at different points in our history, but a couple of things. The first thing I want to say is, That for women to be honest about what they want sexually, they have to go through a lot more levels of bias and shame, and it's sort of harder for them to peel it apart. So when we say that people need to be honest about what they want, I...
0: It's just not an easy process, uh, and I empathize with that. Yeah,
2: exactly. So I think it's a great goal, and I think one thing that can help women get to that point is when they have access to the data and the science that tells them that what they've been taught about themselves is untrue.
0: In conversations like this.
2: It's going to be a lot easier for them um, to really talk about what they want um, when people aren't saying, yeah, but that's unnatural, or no, no, that's not the way women are, that's the way men are. So that's going to be a really important thing for us, and I think that all the new science that's coming out about female sexuality will help us get to the point where you know we're not Um, sort of systematically misunderstanding female sexuality and making women feel like if I admit this it makes me really weird the more we get out there that women have really wide freaky sexual menus the less women will feel weird about communicating it so I like what you're saying and um i like the way the new data and new science is going to help women say it more honestly
1: my um women's menus
2: are like the cheesecake factory okay guys like take <laughs> some notes okay this is it's this like a is novel, a broad right? menu lots and lots on the buffet yeah. for women yeah. i'm not putting men down at all i think no, that I, men I are going to be able to really enjoy that about their female partners if they're heterosexual
0: no I'm all about I'm, listen I'm all about it I'm open, <laughs> open to conversation I I have a difficult time you're connecting. open to
1: conversation about <laughs>
0: sex with your partner I have a di- I've always had a difficult time talking to people that can only come from a, a narrow minded place and they're not open to different perspectives right mm-hmm. like we talk about the evolutionary psychology thing right like that's mm-hmm. what I've read but talking to you and opening minds like that to me I have connections with people like that and I think it's the only way yeah. that you can progress as a society and as a culture keep listening uh, yeah yeah At the same time, like you can have strong values and you can have your beliefs, but you have to be open and respect other people's.
2: I wanted to say that another new thing that you brought up is this idea you said, can people be honest and tell each other this idea of consensual non-monogamy is not totally historically new, um, but people in their 20s and 30s um, are now taking it to new places. Consensual non-monogamy is now a word. You know when I was younger there wasn't even a word to describe that experience. Um, Just like in a sadder way when I was younger we didn't really have the same definition of sexual assault that we have now. The vocabulary has changed in terms of how people are understanding themselves sexually what they want and what they don't want. Um, but consensual non-monogamy is a really interesting huge cultural shift and as somebody who's interested in social science I cannot wait to see where it goes. I can't wait to see what happens with the polyamory movement. I can't wait to see how many people actually caught into this idea of dealing with their desire for others by acting on it within the couple and talking to each other about it. And I can't wait to see the creative solutions that people are going to be coming up with.
1: I think that it's going to happen more rapidly than it has in the past because of social media. I think social media is, is going to push whatever is um,
2: happening further ahead quickly. Yeah. I mean, these ideas are not new, which is the other cool thing about writing a book about sexuality. So it was the romantic poets and the transcendentalists who were the first free love hippies and they lived on communes and they had these very progressive ideas and it sort of went underground for a while until the 1970s when we had the second wave of consensual non-monogamy in which, you know, there was a free love lifestyle, and hippies had this sort of alternative lifestyle, and they criticized monogamy. Now comes the third wave of consensual non-monogamy with the polyamory movement and people using the term consensual non-monogamy in books like The Ethical Slut. and social media, as you said, helping these people connect in new ways. So here we are in the third wave of consensual non-monogamy, and it's going to be amazing to see the way it changes marriages and long-term relationships, and I think that you're right that social media is going to play a role. I interviewed a lot of women who told me that they used social media almost as a workaround strategy for being slut-shamed, and one young woman told me um, it used to be that people could see my tweets to a guy or my Facebook page posts that a guy that I made or that a guy made or my Instagram posts. And then she said, I got an iPhone and I could communicate by direct message and there wouldn't be a text blazing across and it wouldn't be a public tweet and my boyfriend couldn't say to me, who is this guy that you're in touch with? Now we use social media in all kinds of different ways but it's going to be really interesting to see how it allows women to express the sexuality that we now know that women have thanks to the new science and the new data. And I think another interesting thing about social media is the invention of the selfie. The moment that camera could flip around and women could photograph themselves Um, they were able to put versions of themselves and their sexuality that they curated and that they liked out there for public consumption or to send to somebody that they wanted to have sex with and it really does mark a big change in the way that we think about sex and have sex now. What's that show that you watch um, or that you used to watch about Rome?
1: Is it called Rome?
0: I think it's called Rome.
1: Oh. <laughs> yeah, I think it's called Rome. Rome. In that show, too, if you it look at the... It got canceled, though, which was a bummer. Okay, Darn. but if you look at, at that era, too, they were all fucking each other. I mean, they're fu- boys, girls, like everyone's so, fucking everyone. We gotta be careful here. Some uh, of
0: those Romans were going a little too far. So I, are those, we, are, are we
2: talking f- about, was there a scripted series about sexuality in ancient w- Rome? Rome? It wasn't it was, just about sexuality, but that great. was a big part and theme of it.
0: Uh, Lauren, did you see this, the show? No, it was basically about Julius I Caesar. I did see and, the show, God, But they showed... the like what the society of Romans looked like. But I said, you got to be careful. There because it was, there was Game stuff, of
2: thrones There was a lot of stuff yeah.
0: that, uh, if it was taking place in this day and age, people would be going to jail yes. for a very long time. ancient
2: Roman sexuality was is part of our legacy, and it was wild, as some people have documented. And I remember that there was a soft porn movie called Caligula about the Roman Emperor <laughs> Caligula. And all Seen his, it, Taylor? And all his really, um, you know shocking to some of us to this day or really interesting um, sexual practices so when we dig into history we see that progress and sexual enlightenment is not an arrow shooting straight forward into space I mean we get enlightened and then we become repressed and then we legislate against free sexual expression and then we open it up again and it changes all the time. I was really surprised when I was researching this book about how many women had affairs in the 60s. uh, Women in certain socioeconomic groups in certain cities and towns in the U.S., and how these women would say to me and to other uh, researchers and to a journalist named Pamela Druckerman, these women said, we can't believe how, like, uptight you guys in your 30s and 40s and are now. Like, we were all having affairs. We, you know, we didn't think that monogamy was all that. Now, however you feel about monogamy It might be a surprise to you to learn that, you know, women who are now in their 70s and 80s um, didn't value monogamy as much as a lot of people do now. So it's full of surprises when you actually go back and dig into history and our evolutionary prehistory. Female sexuality is not what we have been taught. It was and is.
0: Well, Lauren, I hope you're enlightened, but not too enlightened. I don't want... You're running out, but if you no, do... No, we're really if you do, too enlightened together. Yeah, yes, okay. Um, <laughs> yes, we're all enlightened now. Wednesday, let everyone know where they can find you, where they can find the new book.
2: You can find my book on Amazon and at your favorite independent bookstore. It's called Untrue. What's your Instagram handle? My Instagram handle is at Wednesday Martin. And on Twitter, I'm at Wednesday Martin PhD. I hope to see everybody there. I'm You'll see you're gonna me. Some, you're going to okay, get some questions, good. I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, some weird ones. The weirder, the better. The weirder, the better. Get Absolutely. freaky, you guys.
1: Ask all your freaky questions please please to do. Wednesday. Please do. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks Thanks you're so having interesting. for on, you it guys.
2: Fun. It was great. It's nice to talk to you about sex. <laughs>
1: guys couple of updates we have an instagram page if you're not following along you have to it's at tsc podcast and it has all the guests we've had on and just um, kind of building a fun community over there also we have a new podcast site that streamlines everything from each episode it has resources the books we talk about a bunch of links everything all streamlined in one place it's tscpodcast.com it's super pretty too, so make sure you check it out. And with that, we will see you next week. This episode was brought to you by Ritual. Ritual is the brand that's reinventing the experience with nine essential nutrients women lack the most. If you're ready to invest in your health, do what I did and go to ritual.com slash skinny. You should know that I've been taking this vitamin every single day the last three months. Like I said, I keep it by my toothbrush. It's super easy. All the vitamins are in it and I know I'm getting a lifelong health 401k. Why put anything but clean ingredients backed by real science in your body? Go to ritual.com skinny and definitely keep me updated with your results. Just DM me on Instagram. Send me some pics.
0: This episode was brought to you by Thrive Market. Thrive Market is your one-stop shop for high-end, high-quality, and highly discounted groceries, supplements, beauty products, and house sold supplies thrive market guarantees its customers 25 to 50 percent below retail on all items because it cuts out the middleman thrive market is offering all skinny confidential him and her listeners 25 percent off your first order and free shipping with a one-month trial when you go to thrivemarket.com skinny again that's thrivemarket.com skinny happy shopping everybody and we will be back next week